just checking out basically biblical and we're doing another reaction today um, this one's gonna be a little different um, it's actually uh, not a lot of people well, a, a lot of people have actually seen this and kind of reacted to it and I've watched a couple um, but it's one I wanted to get because I think it's it's uh, the the guy we're gonna watch makes some some very very valid points for something that we are actually dealing with in our society today um, this is uh, Reverend Calvin Robinson he either I'm not sure if he still is or if he formerly was with the at least the Anglican Church um, but anyways they are if, if I am understanding correctly they are voting on whether to change the definition of marriage to include um, same-sex marriage. So, um, he actually got up and spe spoke. I think they had uh, maybe like three, uh, or maybe there's more than three, um, but a handful of people for, for both sides, those that support this uh, amendment and those who uh, are against the amendment. Um he was against the amendment, and uh, I think, obviously, I think it's the right side to be on. Um, and I, he makes some very, very good points. And the reason I wanted to react to this is because I, I think it. Uh, th there's a lot of benefit I think that can be gained from kind of seeing how he presents this. Um, just very, very good argument uh, arguments that I think he makes. He just does a good job of it. Um, so I'll pause kind of in between as we're going through um, and uh, re respond, uh, things like that. See, um, give some, some feedback maybe. Uh, this is, um, yeah, we'll just get into it. Um I can see. Uh, so I am playing this back at uh, 1.5 speed. Um, you'll notice it's faster. He doesn't normally talk this quickly. Um, so it's a little bit faster. You should be able to keep up with everything he's saying. Um, if you do have issues with that, you should be able to, um, while he's talking, you can change the speed of the um, YouTube video playback that you're watching of this. Uh, knock it down to like half speed, uh, 0.75 speed, one of the two, and it should help you out. Thank you for the warm introduction, but I think instead I'll say thank you for the invitation. That's far more charitable. Um, it's a genuine pleasure to speak here this evening, it really is. I'm happy to be back at the Oxford Union. It wasn't too long ago that I was based here myself. And I'm very happy to be part of an organization that is still standing up for free speech, still standing up for diversity of thought and opinion, going against uh, the approved narrative of academia in the 21st century. So well done to you all for that. Now, I genuinely struggled with this one. Uh, I've struggled sleeping this week, actually. I've, I don't get stage frights. I never get nervous when I go on television. I recently debated at the Cambridge Union and the Durham Union, no problem whatsoever. But this, there's something different about this one. It's been causing me anxiety. So someone kindly sent me Luke chapter 12, verses 11 to 12, saying, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself and what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I know there's something a bit ironic about me coming here with a speech after that, but why do I feel anxiety about this? Well, we are up against the authorities three bishops from the established church. That means either I am wrong, and Christians have been teaching incorrectly for the last 2,000 years, or and Jews and Christians for the last four to 6,000 years, or we have church leaders attempting to drag the church into apostasy. Ooh. Neither way. That's uh, 
really good point. Um, it is, and I, I think I mentioned this in another video, but um, I recently watched a debate with uh, uh, Brandon Robertson. Um, he was on one side, and then it had uh, Jeff Durbin and uh, James White from Apologia, Apologia Studios on the other side, and they were debating, um, uh, I don't remember what the specific topic was, but uh, basically homosexuality in the Bible. Um, and um, I, I've, I've yet to decide if I'm going to do a, a breakdown of that. It's a long video. Um, I'm trying to keep these kind of react type things fairly shorter, um, but James White and Jeff Durbin, I think, did a good job with it. Um, and I think Brandon Robertson kind of uh, overplayed his hand a little bit. Um, they end up getting him to kind of say he, he discredits the writings of Paul because he thinks that Paul had a, a patriarchal worldview, so he thinks that there are some things that Paul wrote that aren't right and they're actually um, biased a certain way, and so you don't actually take those as authoritative scripture. Um, and it, I mean, for if you you may think, okay, well, yeah, that that could be true. But here's the thing: all scripture is uh, divinely inspired. Paul may have written kind of how he wanted to write it, but he was inspired to write a certain way. Um, the reason that's an issue to start picking it apart like that is because if you do that, then everything falls apart. Um, it's either all divinely inspired or it's not. Um, if it's not all divinely inspired, then you, it's fair game for you to pick and choose whatever you want to believe, and then it's not Christianity anymore. anymore. It's a, um, a hodgepodge of whatever you want to follow or don't want to follow, and it's just that, that doesn't really work, uh, especially if, if you're talking about a, a true religion, true belief system that your eternity is going to rest on. Um, so this is definitely something we want to make sure we get right. So, uh, that was a really good point, you know, he made, um, kind of setting this up, there's only two possible solutions here, and I think this is something that a lot of people don't think about, um, especially inside the church, but either the church has gotten this wrong for 2,000 to 4,000 to 6,000 years, uh, depending on how you want to look at it between, uh, Christianity or Judaism or whatever, um, but either the one hand they have this wrong and they have gotten this wrong for several thousand years or there are church leaders that are trying to drag our churches into apostasy um it's i mean <laughs> there's really no way around uh those two that's that's got to be one or the other so uh we'll keep going he is good the consequences are severe. This debate is not just happening in this chamber. This debate is happening in real time in the House of Bishops as we speak. There's a growing number of vocal bishops who want to change the, the church's teaching on marriage. The result being the spiritual neglect of Anglicans up and down this country. Now, I may have trained at the last remaining sound Anglican seminary of the road at St. Stephen's House, but I am a newbie deacon. So perhaps I am, on, I am wrong on this. Let's consult people wiser than myself, starting with the church fathers. St. Thomas Aquinas, in his summer theological, quite clearly... Uh, another good point. So... You, you can use this as a a tool, but it should not be your only tool. Um, 
if you're looking into a subject, one that I've done recently is uh, communion and kind of what that what that actually is. Um, there's three main views. I'm not going to go too in-depth on it uh, right now. Um, but there's three main views of communion. Uh, one of them is that it's just a representation. It doesn't have any real meaning. It's more of a symbol. Um, but one thing that I did was I found the writings of a lot of the early church fathers. And it's it's good because it shows you the people that were closest to the Bible being written originally. Um, it shows you what they thought on these different topics. And so, yes, they could be wrong, but uh, I think if you have a consensus of the early church fathers believing one way, um, it I, I at least gives some insight to, okay, like, this is what the disciples were actually teaching. Um, so what do we want to do with that? Or um, look down the line and see, okay, well, when did this start to change? And you can kind of look at different uh, teachers and stuff. So like as the, the communion example, um, that actually came up the, the view I talked about where it's just really just a symbol, um, was, um, I don't remember his first name. His last name is Wingley. Uh, he was the first one that kind of had that idea that, uh, he, the communion was, was really just more of a symbol. Um, so I think, um, long story short, I don't think that he is necessarily accurate in that, but uh, I may do a video later on on communion. We'll see. Um, but it, it is a good idea, I think, to look at what the early church fathers uh, thought. You can see kind of in some of the early creeds. I won't go with all of the creeds because they, <laughs> um, they could kind of start to get weird around like the fourth or fifth creed. Um, if you're not familiar, you can look up the, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, and the Apostles' Creed, or all three, I think are good, and I think all sound Christians can uh, should be able to agree to what's in those. So, um, yeah, no, going to the Church Fathers, I think, is a good step for, for really any topic you want to look at, but especially something like this that is as hot-button and as controversial as, as what it is identifies matrimony as being between one man and one woman beneficial for begetting of children and for the good of offspring for both education now this is uh he said it was saint thomas aquinas uh if you don't remember and developmental purposes necessary for the perfection of the community and for the worship of god since paul describes marriage as therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh in which he is mirroring the language of genesis where god tells man and woman to be fruitful and mortify both aquinas and paul refer to matrimony as a sacrament a holy mystery in which one man and one woman are joined together in conjugal union with the potential to be blessed by the grace of God with children, to start a family for the worship of God. People will often argue in this debate, we know... Um, so, kind of a, a side note. Um, first of all, I'm going to pull this back a little bit because I just want to point out <laughs> this is really random and has, like, nothing to do with uh, what they are talking about. Um, but you should be able to see my cursor. Like, the people over here and over here, I just think it's a weird setup that they have those people facing each other um now i mean maybe there's a, a a purpose for it i'm sure there is they don't just randomly throw some seats in there and say hey have at it wherever they land um i just think that, <laughs> that would be uh maybe a little awkward but what he was saying about children um i think all christian married couples should be 
open to the idea of children. Not necessarily that you have to have children. I do think that um, that that we should be doing that as uh, as Christians, um, both just from from a moral point of view. I think it's it's uh, beneficial on on scientific point of view. It helps propagate the species and um, things like that are biological, maybe um, more than scientific, uh, broadly scientific, anyways. But um, kind of just from a I don't want to say morality standpoint everybody that I know that is is a Christian that has kids every single one that I know they will say the most fulfilling thing they have ever done in their life is to have children not necessarily the most fun there's there's a lot of times that uh, parenting um, it's not fun there's a lot of times that uh, we talked about in in one of the other videos that we did the one of the social hours I think you know for me as a uh, as a father and a husband my my wife and my kids come first every time all the time uh no exceptions if there's somebody that has to make a sacrifice in our house um it's me if it's between me and anybody else it's me period end of story and so yeah there's times where that's not the uh the most fun or um the necessarily even the happiest happiness is not what the the focal point of life should be now, I do think if you're searching these things that give you meaning, there is going to be happiness there. But uh, no, every I think every Christian married couple should be open to the idea of uh, of having kids. It is you're never going to be ready for it. You're never going to be financially set for it. But it is the the single most rewarding thing that you can do with your life. Um, so there, I'll get off my soapbox. To start a family for the worship of God. People will often argue in this debate, we know more about homosexuality now than we did then. Maybe so. But are we really going to suggest that God knew less then than we know now? Ooh. For either all of scripture is God-breathed, or it isn't. That's exactly what I said. Um, I forgot he made that point. I did. I have watched this through before. I had made the same comment previously when I was watching the Brandon Robertson uh, Apologia debate. Um, it's either, and I think they may have said it too, but it's it's a pretty common idea. I mean, it's either all inspired or it's not. Either we believe Christ or we don't. So let's refer to another source, the Book of Common Prayer, one of the Anglican formularies, an authority of liturgy and catechism in the Anglican Church. The prayer book lists three ordained reasons for matrimony. First, it was ordained for the procreation of children, to be, to be brought up in the fear and nature of the Lord, and to praise his holy name. Second, it was ordained for a remedy against sin and to avoid fornication that such persons as have not the gift of constancy might marry and keep themselves undefiled members of the church's body. And thirdly, it was ordained for the mutual society, help and comfort, that one ought to have the other, both in prosperity and adversity. And if we look wider abroad to the church Catholic, which defines in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, matrimony, the matrimonial... Um, he's using the term Catholic Church here. Um, he's not, I don't think, necessarily speaking of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and you'll see this if you go back and look at the the uh, creeds too. The term Catholic just kind of refers to like universal. So the church body as a, a global church body. That's what especially a lot of these early writings when they refer to the Catholic Church. It's not the Catholic Church as we see it today. It's just the, the global church. A convent by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole life is by the nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. This is referred to as marriage in God's plan. 
So are we looking to alter the catechism of just the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church too? Should, should they all get with the times? 2,000 years of Christian doctrine cannot be altered at the whim of a few liberal bishops. What is God-ordained cannot be adjusted to suit our new liberal progressive views. Marriage is heterosexual and monogamous and should be open to the possibility of children. The Bible backs all of this up. It's very clear throughout on this matter, whether it's nine verses or 32,000 verses. Marriage is between one man and one woman for the purposes of procreation. Sex outside of marriage is a sin, and that is the same for heterosexuals as it is for homosexuals. That's something I think uh, the church really doesn't do a whole lot with. Uh, I think they should do a lot more with. I think part of it is just because the homosexual lifestyle, same-sex lifestyle, is really pushed a lot more, uh, at least in, in culture now. There's no difference between same-sex or hetero heterosexual outside of marriage. That it's, it's sin. What I mean by that outside of marriage is marriage as described by the Bible. So there isn't homosexual marriage. It doesn't exist. Um, it's a, a contradictory statement if you are looking at um, the Bible's definition of what marriage is, which is one man, one woman, period. Although the Bible is quite clear that same-sex relations are abhorrent. And before some smart Alec starts ask, asking me the question of whether I'm wearing mixed fabrics, there is a difference between the moral laws and ceremonial laws. Uh, so what he's talking about here, that's a, a common pushback from people if Christians start talking about uh, homosexuality as being a sin. Someone asks, well, you know, are you wearing mixed fabrics or have you eaten uh, crustaceans or, you know, things like that? That's, they're bringing up Levitical law. In, in Leviticus, there are several laws, but they can kind of be broken out into different categories. And, and there's some reasons for the laws being there. This is one most people are probably familiar with is that uh, Jewish people don't eat pork. It was a law that was given. There are several reasons for the, for the different laws, and there's different groupings of them. And some of those... Are, are done away with when we enter into the new covenant with, with Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, and some of those stay. Now, we can actually, and this may be another topic we do at some point in time. Um, as, as I bring this stuff up, if anybody is interested in any of these topics, uh, comment below um, and just say, like, you know, maybe what you would like to see if there's a specific topic you would like to see, or you can shoot uh, me an email, jesse at basicallybiblical.com. If there's anything you want to see or you think would be a, a good video or, or we could maybe get a, um, a difficult topic or a topic you've not seen covered and we can kind of try to address it and take it head on. Um, but he is talking about Levitical law here. And Christ did come to fulfill the old laws. Both the issues of marriage and homosexuality, however, are still addressed in the New Testament, in Paul's epistles, but also in the Gospels. Jesus does talk of marriage in Mark and Matthew, both in the context of heterosexual union. Now, and Jesus does talk about heterosexual marriage. Um, I've heard people bring up that Jesus doesn't explicitly condemn same-sex marriage, so it must be okay. Um, there's several things that Jesus didn't explicitly condemn that does not make them okay. Um, one thing you have to keep in mind, Jesus' audience were the Jewish people. Jesus didn't need to condemn that because it was already condemned it was already not allowed so it makes sense that he didn't explicitly condemn that um, whereas they had um, you can see kind of throughout the Old Testament they had um, practices of uh, uh, they had some temple uh, prostitutes they had um, I mean things things along those lines or um, people would would kind of get right up to the line as close as they could get to sin without actually crossing the line or th without thinking they're crossing the line. 
And uh, Jesus pulled it back. He's like, no, if you even look at a woman with lust, um, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Um, if you get angry at someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. And really taking it back to the the root cause. Um, so, yeah. Um, just because Jesus didn't explicitly condemn something doesn't mean that it's okay. That is a, um, I forget what it's called, uh, an argument from silence. And it is, generally speaking, it is a very weak argument. So <laughs> if you're using that to try to um, say that something is okay just because Jesus didn't explicitly condemn it, you needed to get a better argument because that is, um, I'm sorry, crappy and lazy. So my question to the bishops would be, do we not believe in the authority of scriptures anymore? Can we pick and choose which parts of the gospel we adhere to? The church, after all, is Christ's bride, as we heard earlier. Jesus is described as the bridegroom, so that we may know how he relates to us. Two grooms would be pointless. Christ is already in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's us he's inviting in. Two brides is what we're looking at here. The church is attempting to marry itself and to leave Christ out of the picture. We are directly talking about undermining God's plan as he has revealed it to us. We're replacing his authority with our own. If marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, are we open to the idea of polygamy? We disregard the heterosexual aspect, so why not the monogamous aspect too? If love is love, as we keep hearing, who's to say that three men loving each other is not more love than two men loving each other? Rain, degeneracy. And I'm sure someone in this chamber has echoed the words love is love tonight, and this is not about love being love. This is about marriage, the sacrament of holy matrimony. It is directly connected to love, but it's not the definition of love. Too many people... He makes a good point. Like Once you start going down this path of redefining it, they're really... You don't have a... A good reason of stopping that and so that brings up a lot of other issues people don't want and people will claim it's a slippery slope argument and it's not good and okay maybe that's so but we've seen it over and over and over and we're, we're, I mean, we're seeing it live now in America and our culture uh, I, I think the saying is what uh, what one generation allows the next promotes or, or something along those lines but we've seen this in America we're seeing it now we've redefined marriage and so now there's there's a lot of other things that are, are coming up there's a group called uh um i don't know if i'm going to remember the acronym i think it's nambla national association of man boy love you could probably guess what that one is and it is actually gaining steam they have uh changed the term to map um, for minor attracted person and trying to talk about that as if it's a, a normal orientation and shouldn't be condemned, shouldn't be talked against, nothing like that. They have also, I saw uh, a video, um, now this world is messed up. Um, Ruslan Katie, um, if you don't know his channel, he's a good one. He actually did a reaction to this that I watched that I thought was pretty good. Um, I don't agree with him on everything, but a lot of his content is pretty good. And he does a lot of like relevant content too. Um, so it's not just theology type stuff. He'll take a relevant topic and he'll kind of look at it from a, uh, a Bible point of view and then like maybe tie it back to a scripture or something that we see. Um, and I like a lot of his stuff, but um, he did a video responding to or reacting to uh, a story out of Spain that it looks like they are moving towards decriminalizing... Um, <laughs> I don't want to say it. Um, people with animals. Not saying that uh, everyone is in support of redefining marriage to two guys or two women is also in support of that other stuff. But 
I don't see how you can actually make any kind of an argument against the fact that it does end up leading there. Because if once you step away from the morality that's defined in the Bible, there's no morality left to fall back on. And so even if you are not supporting that, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter. It, it, it is going to go to that point. So he made a valid point there. People utter those words and confuse the meaning of love. Agape, the biblical context of love, is a divine love. It's a sacrificial love. It's not lustful. People often conflate sex with love. It's very disingenuous. We've heard quite a bit of that. But then, of course, atheists often pirate the words, God is love, and we've heard that one tonight too. Again, without any understanding. Yes, God is love. But he sets the terms, not us. Another one we've heard plenty of is inclusivity. Should the church be more inclusive? Again, it's a play of words. It's, it's virtue signaling. It's to appear good rather than to be good. The church should absolutely be inclusive. Christ spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is they who went away changed, not Christ. We are fallen, therefore we are all sinners. That's the church is point. open to sinners. Of course it is. That's the purpose of the church. He said, uh, Christ spent much time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is them that went away changed, not him. That's good. Um, he's Like I said, he's he's a lot of the stuff he's saying, and I may not be stopping at every single point, but he's making a lot of really, really good points. Um, if I were to break down this entire video, everything he says, we would probably, um, we could probably go out an hour. And I <laughs> want to keep this under 30 minutes. But it should not be to encourage people to continue to sin. Our duty as clerics is to help lead people to Christ, to lead them away from sin, not to embrace it, not to affirm it. I know many LGB people, I know many LGB people who live lives in Christ. They abstain from sexual gratification to be closer to God, and it's not easy, it really isn't. It's perhaps not fair, but it is right and it is good. And these people are being let down. I have people crying. Uh, so real quick onto this point. I saw an article, uh, it's probably been about a year ago now. Um, and it was actually about, I think the article was was intended to try and make this guy like feel bad or, or look bad or the idea of it look bad or something like that. It was, it was intended to be a negative article. But what they ended up doing was... Um, there was a, a guy that struggled with with homosexual desires um, and but he wanted to have a family he wanted those those things that we normally see um, that you can't really get and not just like adopt a kid like he wanted to have his own kids that were a mix of him and his partner um, and you can't get that in a in a same-sex uh, marriage and so what he ended up doing was he um, there was a, a lady he, he knew who was really really good friends with he was really close to um, and he ended up they got married and they had kids and it's still something that he struggles with um, I think uh, I think would be the correct terminology it's still something that he he feels but he is still sticking to his marriage vows he is still sticking to um, the covenant that he made there and I, I think that is a, um, a a very um a very good thing a very beautiful thing um willing to to sacrifice that to fulfill um, fill what God has has called him to do. Um, 
the you know procreating having children it's uh you know it's it's difficult especially if you know what he he's about to say here too um but these people that have that have abstained completely from getting into relationships because they're not in any way attracted to the opposite um and they want to do what's right in god's eyes and so they just kind of completely abstain not everyone <laughs> has the same cross to bear and i think there's there's probably a lot of people and i myself might be included in that that uh if if they were placed in that situation they would not be able to do it so i have i have a, a huge level of respect for anybody that's going through that and has made that decision to just completely abstain um because they they value their relationship with god more than they value um their personal desires and commitment so saying i could have got married but i did what the church taught me was right and now the church is saying they were wrong all along i've wasted my life as christians we're called to be in the world but not of the world the trap that we're falling into in this debate is looking at the church through the eyes of the world rather than through his kingdom in the secular world, we already have equality in law. People can enter civil partnerships or even gay marriage outside of the church, and that's their prerogative. However, the faith is inherently discriminatory. God is discriminatory. He sets conditions on us entering his heavenly kingdom. It is not a free-for-all. We must turn away from sin, repent, and follow Christ. And I want to specify, it is the sin that is the problem, not the sinner. Every single person is loved by God, and God forgives all of us of our depravity. But we have to turn away from our sins and turn toward him. And it seems the panel opposite me has forgotten to separate the sin from the sinner. One can denounce sin while still welcoming the sinner. So as I wrap up, my message to the proposing side is do not lead us astray. Do not lead people astray. Do not be the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not be the false teachers that the Bible warns us about. Remember your obligation to defend the faith. Stop teaching about diversity, inclusion, and equality and get back to teaching about redemption and salvation. This is spiritual neglect. Help people by telling them the truth. Be kind to people by supporting them through those struggles. Um, I thought he was going to go to something else there real quick. I do want to talk on that last point he made. Um, I, I get what he's trying to say. Um. I don't think it's necessarily bad or wrong as far as the, you know, um, there's these people that have already given this up, um, and now it's, you know, they are going to look at this as, oh, well, I've wasted my entire life because the church told me this was bad, and so I didn't get married. Um, I get what he's saying. Um, it's a somewhat, I think, valid point, but I, I, I feel it's kind of more of a an appeal to emotion. Um, I'm, I'm more okay with it because he is kind of throwing it on the back of these other arguments that he's making and he's not simply having that as his sole argument um so I'm, I'm a little more okay with it i get what he's doing i i just i wanted to throw out there that just because something is going to make people feel bad doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's okay or wrong or um, anything like that but, but how he's doing it here I, I don't I don't necessarily have an issue with I just want to throw that out there because that's something we see a lot of in our culture today and reminding them that Christ suffers with them and be compassionate by leading them to Christ when the world tries to lead them away from him the church is imploding and the faithful masses have stopped turning up on Sundays and we are seeing the most rapid decline of Christianity in this country that we may have ever seen do not accelerate it with heresy you do not have the authority to bless sin when I hear the Bishop of London on record saying these new prayers will mean priests can bless same-sex relationships some of which may be sexual in nature I hear the devil at work Bishops are promoting the idea of sacramental sodomy. Let them be anathema. Repent. And to the rest of you, I have no doubt that some of you will consider me a bigot or a transphobe or a homophobe, but I am neither of those things, none of those things. I'm simply a follower of Christ, a Christian. And we are naturally countercultural. And if so-called liberals were truly diverse and tolerant, they would embrace us just as they embrace everyone else. And the, not right now, I'm just wrapping up. And the point
you just get making another good point like that is the history of christianity has been completely countercultural um for really the <laughs> the entire existence of uh christianity that's that's what it has been uh, now what he's getting ready to say is is a very very good point um he's going to end it with this and it's something that I've asked numerous people um, when I've been in, in discussion or debate, and no one can ever give me a legitimate answer. Um, there are only two groups that really ever get persecuted like this about these topics, and it's Christianity and Judaism. Now, you may be thinking, well, those are the only two that like that, that have this stance, and that's not true. Um, Islam the stance um in countries that are run that are uh so like for example afghanistan right now um they're back under control of isis um i think it'll be isis of a a militant islamist group now not all islamic people are like this um there are some islamic people that are I mean, kind, loving people um, that really don't take their view to to this level. Um, but somewhere like Afghanistan, um, you would be killed for being homosexual, um, like straight up murdered. Um, but people aren't calling for that to, to stop. People aren't calling for the Quran to be updated. Um, so he's, he's going to kind of make that point here, and I think it's a valid point. I've not ever gotten a, a really good answer for it, um, for why people target Christianity and Judaism but not other religions. So my uh, my point to make with that is that they target it because it's true. Well, Christianity. Judaism is partially true. <laughs> point has been made, but the growing Christophobic attitude around this public debate and the ugly level of, of hypocrisy is that we really see people hold Muslims and people of other faiths to the same expectations that they hold Christians to. Who is calling, I said my good friend here, for Islam to embrace gay marriage? Who is calling for the Quran to be updated to modern societal norms? It is the same, mind your language, it is the same patronizing attitude of people of other, that treat other faiths, patronize other faiths while being intolerant towards Christians at the same time. It's a shame, but in the words of St. Athanasius of Alexandria, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Thank you very much. So, um, good stuff. I think he did a good job. Um, like I said, it's it's a, a difficult topic. It's one that is um, not difficult because it's like hard to know what the truth is. It's very clearly stated in Scripture what the truth is. Um, there really isn't any way to get to it. The Bible saying that that is okay unless you are actually taking things out of context or just completely disregarding um, large swaths of Scripture. Um, so, uh, good stuff. Let me know in the comments if there's uh, anything that really stood out to you or if there's anything else that you would like to see. Uh, maybe based on uh, something that, that he said or something that uh, I, I mentioned uh, as I was talking through. And uh, we'll see if maybe we can do a video on it. Also, feel free to shoot any um, any questions, comments, anything like that to me. Uh, jesse at basicallybiblical.com and I will um, try to get back to you as soon as I can or take those recommendations into consideration when we're doing our new videos. So um, thanks for watching through this with me. I uh, hope it was a blessing to you. Hope you're able to get something out of it, and God bless.